When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fast talk. Street talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid talk. Hot talk. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is a gloomy day out there. There was quite a storm overnight. Uh, hopefully most of your houses survived it. Most of the trees around the house survived it. Uh, it was very wet, very windy uh, and there's more of it to come. You know what it's called? Yes, that's right. It's called autumn. Here we are. Uh, we're in the 1st of November. So actually, we're getting pretty close to winter. I'm not going to get into when winter begins because people get very worked up about all of that. We are going to talk, however, this morning about Suella Braverman, uh, a woman who is now the Home Secretary and will still be the Home Secretary, despite all of the efforts of the left, all of the efforts of the Labour Party. Absolutely horrendous scenes yesterday as they were sort of baying for blood on the opposite side. Emily Thornberry, David Lammy, Yvette Cooper, all booing and making faces at Suella Braverman, a woman uh, who has got to where she is by stint of hard work, uh, by actually being uh, politically to the right of centre and actually believing in something. Now, it turns out that 40,000 people coming to our shores illegally is not a problem. But if you call it an invasion, obviously, that is a problem. Uh, If you say that the uh, system of immigration in this country is broken, apparently that's not right either. Front pages of two newspapers this morning will tell you everything you need to know about the infiltration of the lefty liberal establishment. The Guardian, Braverman. Braverman increases the refugee rhetoric as pressure to quit grows. Pressure to quit is not growing. There is no pressure for her to quit. The only pressure for her to quit is coming from the likes of David Lammy and Emily Thornberry. They don't want her to be able to actually fix the immigration problems in this country and they're trying to get rid of her on some spurious problem that she's already resigned on once before. What's going on there? Uh, Meanwhile, the Times alarm at Braverman's immigration rhetoric. Senior Tories condemn Home Secretary over talk of channel invasion. Well, do you know what? If you're a senior Tory and you don't like the word invasion, then maybe you're in the wrong party. Because Suella Braverman is the first Home Secretary of this nation who has actually said it as it is because the people of this country feel like it is an invasion. And I make no apology for saying that word. I make no apology for using that word. If you look back over the uh, period of time that we have been around this year, you will see lots of uses of the word invasion. Quite frankly, you've seen it all over the headlines. The Guardian have even used the word, quite rightly, when they talk about football pitch invasions. They don't mind using it there. Martin Daubney's pointed this out on social media. What's the problem with the word invasion? What else would you call it? 40,000 people 
make an orderly queue and come over a period of nine, ten months? That's not an invasion of people? Of course it is. It's not a question of the language. You can't have a situation where the language is doing more harm to the country than the actual act of people coming here. And that, my friends, is the problem. 0344 499 1000. We're going to talk to Brendan Chilton, CEO of the Independent Business Network, a man uh, who knows firsthand what the effect of this migrant problem is having in a place like Kent, in a place like Sussex. I'm going to talk about the British Transport Police, uh, a bit of a scandal growing there because they keep having their pictures taken with famous people. Laura Dodsworth is here as well. She's going to be talking um, about an amnesty uh, for the pandemic and also uh, the word of the year, which is quite an interesting one as well. We're going to talk about why schools are going to be teaching less British history. We'll have the Daily Biden for you. We've got a great one today. And also, of course, coming up later on, we're going to talk to Angela Levin about the crown because finally, the final ignominy for Prince Harry and even perhaps Prince William is that the money is flowing into the Montecito mansion. Uh, the Montecito Massive are making millions and millions and millions out of Harry's father talking in a rather, shall we say, unpleasant way, in a rather explicit way to Camilla while he was still married to his mother. Where's the check, Harry? Just pass it over here. That's fine. Don't worry at all. 0344 499 1000. Of course, we need to hear from you uh, because you are the people that count. You're the only people uh, that we listen to. We don't listen to the politicians because mostly they spout nonsense. But when they do say something sensible, everybody else goes, oh, my God, don't say that. That's terrible. What sort of a world are we living in? This is Talk TV. Let's get it on. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. You know what to do. It's pretty gloomy out there. Uh, it's called Autumn. It's the 1st of November. Welcome to uh, the home of common sense. Let us speak right now uh, to Brendan Chilton, who is, of course, the man who's going to tell us what he made of what Suella Braverman said yesterday in the Commons. Brendan, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike, from a very wet, windy Kent. Yes, uh, I imagine it was a bit uh, a bit dangerous down there last night because it was pretty bad in London. It was. I, I very nearly went into my little underground shelter to protect myself yes. from all those falling leaves. Well, absolutely right. I mean, who knows why anybody would want to come here? The weather's not very good. The economy's <laughs> down the toilet. Uh, but yet, here they are, uh, invading the country, according to Suella Braverman. Why are people getting so worked up about the language? Well, I think really uh, getting worked up about the language is a supplement uh, for actually dealing with the issue at hand, uh, which is something that you and I have been discussing for at least the past two years uh, about the migrant crisis in the channel. And I know the word crisis is attached to almost every area of public policy at the moment in the UK, but this really is a crisis. Uh, it is not normal uh, or natural uh, for hundreds of thousands of people to be getting into small boats over the course of the past few years and sailing across the channel illegally coming to this country. Now, whether the people in those boats are legitimate or not, the real issue here is that they are being trafficked by criminal gangs uh, with links to drugs, uh, prostitution, uh, child oppression, and in some cases, terrorism. And the fact that this has been going on uh, for the past two to three years, particularly in the summer months, um, we, we once thought that during the winter months it wouldn't be as busy, but uh, this year it has been as busy, um, is the real issue. And frankly, the British government, the French government, whoever it is, needs to get on top of this issue now, because at the moment, people's lives, as, as we've said so many times, are at risk on a daily basis as they're making these crossings. It really is quite extraordinary. Let's have a look at what Suella Braverman actually said uh, in the House of Commons yesterday 
There are, of course, competing and heavy demands on housing stock, including for Ukrainians, Afghans and social housing. We are negotiating with accommodation providers. I continue to look at all available options to overcome the challenges we face with supply. This is an urgent matter, Madam Deputy Speaker, which I will continue to oversee personally. Let me be clear. This is a global migration crisis. We have seen an unprecedented number of attempts to illegally cross the Channel in small boats. Some 40,000 people have crossed this year alone, more than double the number of arrivals by the same point last year. Not only is it unnecessary, because many have come from another safe country, it is lethally dangerous. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast and which party is not. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary there, telling it like it is, which is unusual for politicians, isn't it, Brendan? And the idea that people have now some suddenly become offended by it is ridiculous. Uh, it is. And, of course, I think the most telling point uh, that the Home Secretary made there, I know there's been a lot of debate about the use of the word uh, invasion. The most telling point I think she made uh, in her statement yesterday was to explain how dangerous this crossing is. Mm. Um, I know uh, people look at the English Channel in the summer months and they think, you know, it's beautiful and, and you could almost be abroad in good weather. I tell you, on a day like today, uh, when the wind is howling and the rain is pouring, you can get enormous waves out in that channel. And quite frequently, they have to close the port of Dover and the port of Calais mm. because it's not safe for ferries uh, to cross the channel. Mm. And so the idea that little uh, rubber dinghies uh, can safely cross that cha uh, train of water in weather like we've got today is madness. And I, I have to say, all those people in this country that say, let them come, let them come. They are putting those people's lives at risk. Uh, we had last year, I think it was in, or earlier this year in the summer, uh, a boat actually sank mm. off of the coast of Calais. And I think just under 30 people uh, drowned. We've also had bodies washed up on the Kent coast. Um, it is a problem. There needs to be a solution to it. But the idea that anyone in this country, charity workers or politicians, should be saying let them come, mm. uh, frankly, is utterly irresponsible. Yeah. And, that, and that is not only irresponsible on that front, but also on the front that we know that many of these people are being trafficked for money. So you're actually a propping up a criminal enterprise which is making millions and millions of pounds a week off these people. And if they're not getting the money from them, they're then enslaving them so that they can work for them once they get here. So the whole system is broken, as she described it, you know, and it's not entirely correct for the Labour Party to say, you know, it's the Tories that broke it. The system that we operate under with asylum laws and so-called international treaties and all the rest of it was not built for this era, was it? It was built for a very, very different time. It, it was. Uh, we've now got extremely sophisticated uh, criminal gangs using all sorts of technology, mobile phones, and other apps and things to get people uh, from Africa, the Middle East and Southern Europe to the UK and, and other parts of Western Europe. Um, I think actually, you know, the politics aside, this is a humanitarian disaster waiting to happen. Mm. Um, and frankly, the government, whether it's a Tory government, the Labour government, British or French, need to get round the table now and work out what we can do to sort this out. I remember when the boat sank uh, back in the summer, it was either this year or last year, the very next day, three or four criminal gang leaders were arrested 
So if they can be arrested that quickly after a disaster such as the sinking in the channel, why are these people still walking our streets and organising trafficking now? Mm. Um, it beggars belief. Surely the Home Office or the French intelligence services are monitoring these people. Why don't we just round the sods up, lock them up, throw away the key? Uh, because as we've said, they're funding drugs, they're funding sex trafficking, child trafficking, mm. and possibly links to terrorism as well. Well, this is uh, the we thing. And I've seen um, several uh, instances now uh, of people telling me that Germany and Sweden have both accepted zero refugee applications from Albania um, because it's an EU applicant. It's a NATO country. It's in the Council of Europe. You know, we're being told now that politicians are going to go to Albania this week and do a deal with the Albanians. But only last week, uh, Ursula von der Leyen was having a meeting with the president of Albania, talking about getting closer ties and bringing them further into the European Union. Why on earth we accept people coming here on boats from Albania is extraordinary to me. <laughs> well, Albania... Uh, actually, as Alistair Campbell has pointed out, is now a modern uh, democracy. Uh, it was, of course, for many years a, a communist dictatorship, yes. but it is becoming more Western, and their standard of living is rising. And so, I, I mean, on the face of it, one would not expect to see any asylum claims from anyone of Albanian nationality. Um, I think, though, what the government now needs to do, we, we've had all this talk about Rwanda, we've, we've had this yesterday, the use of the word invasion. Frankly, you know, Use whatever language you like, use whatever policy you like. But I think the government needs to look at what works. It's quite clear our border force is inadequate. It's quite clear the arrangement, whatever we've got at the moment with the French, isn't working. There's a huge problem with backlogs at the Home Office. I'd like the Home Secretary to get down to, you know, brass tacks. Let's deal with the practicalities here. Frankly, the Rwanda policy, you know, no one's been flown to Rwanda yet. We might as well scrap that deal and put the money back into getting the mm. backlog sorted out at the Home Office. More recruitment for border staff. Instead of our police uh, spending time uh, hanging out with protesters on the road mm. <laughs> instead of clearing them away, perhaps they should be redirected to border services. And having their pictures uh, taken with celebrities, which is the latest thing <laughs> for British Transport <laughs> Police. But listen, uh, stay where you are, Brendan. We'll come back to you. We've got more to talk about. Brendan Chilton is here with us. He's obviously uh, right in the middle of all of this. He's right in the middle of Kent. He's the CEO of the Independent Business Network. This is already a humanitarian disaster. And I'm not just talking about the people coming here uh, from abroad. I'm talking about the people here who are affected by the people coming here, if you see what I mean. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Lots of you getting in touch. I know many of you want to talk to us today and we will get you on. You know the number 0344-499-1000. John in Wallington says, Organised crime is taking full advantage of our asylum policy and useless government. Some bad people are making lots of money and it has got to stop. And one from Kieran, who is the actual human that made the policy to house the invaders in hotels? Well, I mean, that would appear to be the Home Office, it would seem. Uh, Suella Braverman has been speaking about the need to create more and faster accommodation alternatives but there really aren't any because the problem is and I said this last night when I was on the talk there's so many people coming that there is absolutely no way to house them all. People are complaining about Manston uh, which is a holding centre a detention centre uh, in Kent which is now overrun with people because there's about 4,000 people there uh, and the place is only really supposed to house about 1,000 maybe 1,500 tops right but there's nowhere to put them so if you can't put them in hotels where would you put them? Brendan uh, Chilton is talking to us. Brendan, I mean, the problem here is the sheer numbers, isn't it? And so the only real answer, the only sensible answer is not uh, to, 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 you know, block book more hotels, not to build more detention centres, but to stop them coming. 
you're completely right. Where I am now, there is a hotel about a mile uh, to the north of me and then three miles uh, to the left of me, two hotels that have been, if you like, requisitioned by the Home Office to house these people. Um, It's a two-pronged approach, isn't it? We need to reduce the numbers coming to the UK because the current levels are totally unsustainable. And at the same time, we need more resourcing put into dealing with the huge Home Office backlog. Uh, that I think Yvette Cooper highlighted yesterday. I think it was something like 40,000 cases that have not yet been dealt with. And of course, those numbers will only go up. So it's a two-pronged approach. Uh, As for the accommodation, uh, you're completely right. We've we've got the Manson situation. There was Napier Barracks, which your listeners may remember uh, early on in the year. That was the one they set on fire, wasn't it? That's right, yes. So um, the problem as well is Kent is, it, it may appear to be quite a wealthy county, but actually... It isn't. There are quite a lot of pockets of deprivation. Mm. And a lot of people in Kent will be asking if the government can spend millions of pounds on housing people in quite nice hotels uh, near us. Why aren't we doing more uh, to improve local local infrastructure, local public services and support for local people? Uh, Unfortunately, Kent has taken quite the brunt, uh, not only of the migrant crisis, but also the traffic problems. Uh, that caused by France and of course sewage issues lately is around our coast as well it used to be the Garden of England yes uh, it, it's no longer no the it's the dump <laughs> you know. I mean let me ask you another question because one of the things that I'm often told is that one of the reasons why the traffic is so heavy now in the channel is that we were successful in stopping people coming over illegally in the backs of lorries because there was you know technology used to actually see whether people were inside these lorries they increased the security at Calais when the lorries were coming onto the ferries and all that kind of thing and they managed to discourage some of the truck drivers who were who were going along with these traffickers and taking money so there was no uh, outcry, I don't seem to remember, back then when we were stopping immigrants illegally coming to this country. Uh, why, is there a back, why is there a backlash now? Well, it is very extraordinary, Mike, that we've got this huge backlash. And also, let's not forget, there was not the huge backlash when successive governments uh, built uh, infrastructure around the port of Calais mm. uh, to prevent people getting into the port. And I believe that happened under both the current Conservative and the Coalition government and indeed... Uh, last Labour government as well. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, uh, this country is full of people that just like to virtual signal. Mm. Uh, they like to get followers on Twitter and likes on Twitter, uh, when really what we should have is a political class focused on dealing with the problems this country faces, uh, not you know wearing their hearts on their sleeves, being quite tough and firm uh, to get problems dealt with. Whether we like it or not, this is a problem uh, that some of us have been warning about now for some years. It is only going to get worse as more and more people cross the channel. Uh, It makes the crossing more appealing to others if they see other people successfully getting in. We need a sensible approach to this, uh, as we've discussed, a deal with the French, deal with the backlog, more people on the border force and stronger deterrence to stop people making this incredibly dangerous journey across the Because when you see uh, people in Kent, you know, find law-abiding citizens saying they're going to arm themselves in case somebody comes into their house, when you see an example of that actually happening, uh, where a young man managed to break into the home of a woman who lives down there with her daughter, um, you know, these are difficult times for people who now live along the coastline, aren't they? Well, the the issue as well, uh, Mike, attached to all of this is, um, it's it's the extra pressure on local services. Mm. Uh, Kent is getting any more money uh, to deal uh, with the enormous numbers of people arriving here. Uh, 
um, the, the Home Office hasn't got the money to process people that are arriving here. So uh, local people aren't going to get that extra support. Um, you and I and other people on your show have been monitoring this situation for at least the last two years. Yeah. Uh, people have warned that numbers will only go up and up and up unless decisive action is taken. We are now at a tipping point uh, where we had this absolutely terrible incident where someone uh, was quite through, uh, I think it was a petrol bomb into one of the centres and then killed himself. We've now got larger numbers than ever coming here. This is becoming quite a tender box. Tension is building. And it's precisely because our politicians have failed to deal with the problem in the channel. Had this been dealt with two years ago, we would not be in the position where we are now. Yes, exactly right. And also, can we stop calling them small boats as well? Because the size of these boats now is exponentially, they're getting bigger and bigger. And it's not going to be long before we see the same sorts of boats that we see in the southern Mediterranean, where boats leave the North African coast with a couple of hundred people on them. You know, the boats we seeing now have already got about 50 or so. You know, they what they are not is a small dinghy. It, you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. And of course, the other thing to remember is these are extra boats crossing what is the busiest shipping lane in the world. Yes. Uh, or one of. Everything that comes out of Europe and everything that goes into Europe goes through the channel. Everything that ends up at Tilbury or the other co uh, docks on the east of England goes through the channel. Um, it is not a safe place <laughs> to be crossing. And with more and more boats, uh, that risk only heightens. And as I said earlier, we have had bodies washed up on the Kent coast. Uh, we've had that disaster last year or earlier this year, I forget now, just outside of Calais. Mm. The one thing we do not want in all of this is people dying. And so it is absolutely imperative uh, that the government gets this under control using whatever means they require, whatever means they deem necessary, mm. and at the same time providing extra support uh, to the county of Kent, to the local county council and other local services so that they can adequately deal with the extra pressures they're facing. Absolutely right. Brendan, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Brendan Chilton, CEO of the Independent Business Network. Philip from Bournemouth says this, Mike, we were reasonably successful in stopping illegals getting into the country in trucks from Calais because we didn't want them here. As a result, the illegals switched to the channel to get here and we assist them. Even though we don't want them here, if you Google what is the purpose of border force, nowhere does it mention ferrying illegals into the country. In fact, it mentions quite the opposite. Yet another government department that doesn't work properly. How many cities worth of illegal migrants have we ferried into this country in the last few years? Well, that is the problem. 40,000 is a pretty good-sized town, around about the size of Salisbury, you know? And that cannot go on. And as I've said many times, the fact is we don't have the ability to place any migrants in accommodation any quicker. So the answer, surely, is to just stop the flow to stop them coming. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, Brendan Clark, Smith MP uh, on Suella Braverman and why uh, she should stay in the job. We'll find out from him what it is about the language she used that seems to have upset so many people. This is Talk TV. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got an awful lot to do today. We've got lots to talk about because, uh, you know, the old uh, uh, liberal elites frothing at the mouth. Absolutely, absolutely incandescent with rage because of what Suella Braverman said. They're not incandescent with rage about the fact that 40,000 people have come to this country illegally uh, and are still here and are being put up at taxpayers' expense to the tune of around £7 million a day. Oh no, that's not outrageous at all. But to call it an invasion, now that is absolutely 
absolutely dreadful. That is terrible. In the same way that The Guardian is very upset about Suella Braverman uh, and whether she may or may not have leaked uh, information which could have caused the catastrophe for national security. That is a massive problem, whereas 40,000 people coming to our shores without us knowing who they are, where they've come from, what their intentions are, that's not nothing that's anything to do with uh, of course national security that's all fine absolutely fine let's talk to brendan clark smith conservative mp for bassett law uh, to find out why it is now that words apparently are more dangerous than what's actually happening brendan a very good morning to you morning mike thanks for having me on today not at all thanks for joining us i mean it seems extraordinary to me that we now have politicians who are more offended by somebody's words than they are uh, by what is clearly an illegal uh, act which is going on on a daily basis on the shores of this country what do you make of it well it's getting ridiculous isn't it i mean before then it was talking about emails now it's people haven't used the correct language and so on and uh, yeah i thought the home secretary did really really well yesterday she was nearly two hours answering questions to people and as you say people are sick and tired of this this is forty thousand people in a year now um this prevents us actually supporting people who are genuine refugees we have people in our own communities struggling with housing or for doctors or so on and they're sick and tired of people basically abusing the system mike yeah because that's what's going on here and also as brendan chilton just said to us what on earth are labor doing saying that these people should continue to come uh, risking their lives paying money to known human traffickers um sort of facilitating the rich uh, the the richness of uh, of a criminal enterprise i mean there's nothing good about what's happening here well, exactly. It's, it's people smuggling. It's, it's a criminal enterprise. And we, we do have routes available to people. And we, we don't want to see people jump in the queue. And as we've said, really, I mean, we've seen the hotel bill well, that's costing five or six million each time as well. And people just think it's unreasonable. They want to see us do something about it. We've we tried uh, deporting foreign criminals and we've got uh, people trying to drag them off the plane. We've tried the Rwanda scheme. We've had people trying to frustrate that. We've then got so-called charities, activist lawyers jumping in, trying to make money out of it. And everything we've done along the way, Mike, people have tried to oppose. Mm. They then wonder why these uh, these camps are full, why there's a problem, why it's suddenly costing us a lot of money. Well, that's why. Well, exactly right. And there's always, with these uh, situations, there's a lot of money to be made. I mean, Serco, for example, one of the companies involved, has got billions and billions of pounds pouring into its coffers of government money, i.e. taxpayers' money, which they then give to hotel owners, they give to private landlords. You know, this is a racket, it seems to me. Yeah, and I, th- I think the biggest issue is, I mean, you want to process these claims and we want to be able to, when we've actually rejected a claim, for people to be sent back. And mm. you'll have heard yesterday a, talk, a lot of talk of this, you know, they're not women and children. There's large numbers of men from countries like Albania, safe countries, not war-torn at all. They've right. come through France and they're still here after extended periods of time. And we're being forced at the taxpayers' expense to put them in hotels and so on. And people are jumping over this definition now because the Home Secretary's used the word invasion. So, I mean, I, I'm going to, um, I'll, I'll read the, the dictionary definition of this, Mike, if you don't mind. Mm. And Okay, people know the one about a country being invaded with an armed force. And, okay, we're not talking the Spanish Armada exactly, but let's look at the other definitions. An incursion by a large number of people or things into a place or sphere of activity. And another definition is an unwelcome intrusion into another's domain. Now, I don't see what's wrong with that. I think that's a correct terminology to use there. I think it's been perfectly reasonable how it's been explained. I think we've said about all the good things that we've done. We gave Ukraine as an example, Syria, Afghanistan. We're a welcoming country and we've we've been very good with that. 
we're just sick of people who are jumping the queue and you know we're, we're talking immigration wise sort of it's on the holly and phil subject almost you know mm. people are taking the mickey out of our system mike well, and they are. Uh, Home and, secretary and, wants to stop this and not only that uh, she's right to say that the system is broken uh, i'm not sure that, that you can with any great and uh, uh, you know assuredness say that it was the tory party that broke it it's the sheer numbers of people and i think the outdated laws because the laws were written for asylum seekers many many decades ago when there wasn't this kind of movement of people wasn't it exactly and like echr and things like that you look at the principles of it and when we actually when we actually signed up to that and we the world was a very different place at the time and a lot of countries have very different rules we spoke about modern slavery which is something that we've done a huge amount of work on other countries haven't necessarily and people are abusing those laws and people are abusing the things that we've done to help genuine refugees and and that's what people are really annoyed at mike no one's saying that they're against all immigration no one's saying that they're against all asylum seekers but there's clearly something wrong when you've got 40,000 people coming and they're mainly young males from safe countries. Yeah, and they know that if they can get their feet onto the land, they will never leave because at the moment there is absolutely no prospect of them getting processed inside a period of about five to six years. And even if they are, uh, they'll find a lawyer who will tell them exactly how they can stay here by making a narrative up about they're going to be tortured when they get home. Exactly. And this is why things such as the Nationality and Borders Act, where people can't do endless appeals all the time, they've got to actually, you get one appeal, you do it straight away, you don't suddenly come up with magical new reasons. And the Rwanda scheme, you know, says, as soon as you get even one person on that plane, Mike, that sends a message to mm. people and they'll think, you know what, I have a fairly good life in France or Germany or wherever it is. I'm not going to take the risk. And that's the message we want to get there. But at every point, we've had people opposing it, people trying to stop it. We've now got people trying to get rid of a Home Secretary because she is actually speaking up and really saying what my constituents want to hear. I think the, the most ridiculous thing this morning is that the latest myth being put out that... Uh, Oh, you know, they're trying to stop people being housed in Conservative MPs' constituencies. Now, OK, people want to peddle that myth. You know, I can put that on my leaflet. That's that's me re-elected. Uh, you know, my, my constituents will be very pleased with that. You know, you're yeah. like, Brent, we won't have any illegal immigrants. In well, there. exactly. But that's the other thing. I mean, you know, this has been a story that we've been covering for many years here at Talk TV and Talk Radio. Um, and the governments previously didn't seem to want to take it seriously. It's almost as though they were thinking it might all go away and somehow it would just stop. But it hasn't stopped. And instead, it's got worse. And I think uh, the Conservative government does need to take some um, pasting for not dealing with this thing sooner. I'm very happy that Sula Bravo wants to do it now. But we haven't actually done much up until now and i know it's been stymied by an awful lot of things including the lawyers and all of that but for example germany and sweden now are not accepting any applications for asylum from albania why can't we do that yeah i mean i, I used to live in sweden mike and they, they've had some severe problems with immigration there for for a number of years so uh, you know I, I won't pretend it's only this country that has this problem i mean we do have this problem europe wide um, we've tried to basically get rid of all this blair era legislation it takes a long time to do it um, it's not something you can just click your finger with sadly it's got to go through the lords you've uh, you know we've put stuff in manifestos as well and we've got a lot of battles ahead but uh, at least we're going in the right direction with it i think pretty patel laid a lot of the groundwork for this but you look at what she was up against she had problems with the civil service she had problems in the commons with people she had problems in the lords as well and of course um various sections of the media but the groundwork's there suella braverman's 
trying to take that on as well. You can see how much she's being attacked. You know, there are people who really do not want us to succeed with this, but uh, I'm confident she's the right person for the job. She's going to see it through and we'll actually turn a corner with this and uh, get those numbers down. Well, let's hope so. Um, I've got some breaking news I want to give you, Brendan. Um, this may not be something you were expecting me to ask you about, but I'm a celebrity. Uh, get me out of here, start soon. They've got a new inmate in Australia who's just been revealed. Do you know who it is? Um, I have suspicions it's a former health secretary. Matt uh, Hancock. I, I mean, come on. Well, I mean, while he's over there, he can say hello to one of my counsellors from Bassetmore who's uh, currently living over there. <laughs> you know, perhaps if ask him to come back and do a bit of work, it'd be nice. But uh, yeah, Nadine Doris, obviously she, she's she been on television. She, she won with that. So we have a, a very good track record, I think, with Conservative MPs. So, um, you know, obviously best of... <laughs> Best of luck to him with that, but um, obviously we've we've got problems. No, there's always there's always this there's always this question when it comes to MPs doing stuff like this. I mean, presumably he'll still be in receipt of his MP salary while he's over there. Should he not donate that somewhere? Well, I mean, that's up to them. I mean, I, I suppose that does happen. And MPs do other things outside of the work, and I'm I'm sure you know, they they uh, continue working for the constituents and and whatever else there is as Don't well. Don't come off it. Uh, how is he was, working for How is he working for his constituents while he's in the jungle? Well, I don't know. I mean, I obviously, you know, I, I don't have time to be going and, and doing these things. And I've got um, sort of a newborn at home and uh, family and I've got a lot of work to do now, uh, returning to the back benches and so on as well. But uh, yeah, not not for me to say, Mike, but um, see, I'll see more details about what people yes. plan to do. All things, right. But, OK, uh, I'll let you off just this once. Brendan Clarksmith, thank you very much indeed. Conservative MP for Bassett Law. Matt Hancock's going into the jungle. I wonder if he could get eaten by some kind of witchetty grub type thing. I don't mean obviously eaten completely, but just kind of gnawed at a little bit, uh, slightly annoyed. Will he be wearing a mask, I wonder? Uh, or will he be perhaps getting his injections before he goes there? Who knows? We'll bring you more on that uh, as we know it. Matt Hancock's finally found his metier um, lying in the jungle. Maybe we'll get him in the shower on a white bikini or something like that. This is Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, well, well is all I can say. Matt Hancock, it was announced just before uh, the top of the hour, uh, around about 10.45 or so. Uh, Matt Hancock is going to go into the jungle. He's joined the team from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He's just had the whip taken off him uh, because he's done that. A lot of you have said... That's a disgrace. He's an MP. He's paying. Uh, he's paid to, to work for his constituents. He should be working for his constituents. If he's going to go on a television show, then surely to heavens he should have uh, not only the whip withdrawn, but the money withdrawn as well. And also, what's he doing with the fee? Because he'll be making a good £100,000, I would have thought, for going into the jungle. He's going to be joining the likes of Boy George, Sue Cleaver from Coronation Street, Jill Scott, England footballer, Chris Moyles, uh, a DJ, of course. Uh, we've got Charlene White from Loose Women, Olivia Atwood, uh, reality star Mike Tyndall of course um, Matt Hancock now the former Secretary of State for Health former Cabinet Minister former man uh, with the security detail because he had a very important job in government the man who you might say constructed an awful lot of the Covid madness he's going in the jungle you can barely, barely believe it can you Laura Dodsworth is here luckily because she can talk to us about why something like this could ever happen I mean it's like sort of peak madness it's like we've gone full circle and nothing that was probably real, turned out to be real. We're also going to talk about words that have come into use uh, over the course of the past year as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's go straight to Laura Dodsworth this morning. Laura, very good morning to you. 
Good morning, and what a morning to join you. Goodness, isn't there a lot going on? <laughs> well, I mean, Matt Hancock, I wasn't expecting that, for heaven's sake. We were, we were going to talk about this book that he's doing, which I thought at first was a, um, you know, it was a spoof. I thought somebody's put this out on social media. Then it turns out Elizabeth, Isabel Oakeshott's actually writing it with him. Um, the world's gone mad, hasn't it? I think the world has gone mad. I think this is um, this all smacks of a very desperate attempt at rehabilitation. Yes. There's a slight suspicion, maybe, at least on my part, that he's running away from the COVID inquiry. Mm. Of course the whip's been taken away from him. You can't be paid as an MP and go on a jaunt to the jungle to try to rehabilitate your image. It's absolutely inappropriate for his constituents and, of course, for Parliament. Now, to be honest, I think there are lots of people who will probably tune into I'm a Celebrity. The programme makers have described it as a sensational signing because I think a lot of the nation are going to want to see him hungry, eating insects and doing horrible challenges. Yes, That's the truth of it. I think there's a real kind of bread and circuses element to this. While he's probably trying to rehabilitate his career and turn his reputation around, a bit late, not going to work, but, you know, that's what he's trying to do. On the other hand, for the programme makers, they they can sense there's going to be this real salacious interest in seeing seeing the man humiliated mm. on TV. I think he's made a, a very unwise decision. Yeah. But a decision like this is only prompted by somebody who really is in complete denial about their part in the pandemic and the measures and self-serving, ambitious, and dare I say, a little bit narcissistic. Yeah, I think he sees himself in a very different way to the way everybody else sees him. And when he used to write these pieces in the Mail on Sunday, you know, people often come up to me and ask me, you know, how I managed to do such a great job during such a terrible time. And you're going... Nobody's coming up and asking you that. But I've got this from Carl, who says, Matt Hancock and I'm a celeb. If ever there was a time I'm hoping Australia would shut their borders again for two years, it's just after Hancock arrives. I mean, that's mostly the sentiment that I'm getting from ordinary people who just think the man's a buffoon. Even if they don't hate him for what he did, they just don't think he's a worthy um, sort of person to be in any position of power. No, so maybe better in the jungle than, um, you know, in the treasury. Could be worse, couldn't it? But, you know, similarly with his book, it was described by a Telegraph columnist yesterday as highly anticipated. Mm. I, d I don't think it is. I mean, perhaps I'll be wrong, and I certainly don't want to be churlish about another author's book sales. You know, best of luck to everybody who goes through the hard work of getting a book out there. But I have a feeling this is a book that's only going to be highly anticipated by the bargain bin. Yeah. The, the problem with Matt Hancock is that people have a really good radar for integrity. Mm. And, you know, we saw him apologise to the nation when he broke the rules that he foisted upon us, that we couldn't have normal relationships, when he had an affair with a staffer mm. and left his wife who believed she was in a happy and stable marriage. So I don't think people are going to buy the book and think they're getting the truth. I don't think they, they will believe they're getting a genuine expose. What I think we'll get is somebody who's trying to cover his mistakes, pin the blame on other people oh. and turn his career around. Yeah. And who, who wants to buy that? Well, exactly right. I mean, I wonder whether we're going to end up with a guy who actually finishes up on rather uh, dull sort of late afternoon quiz shows uh, on television. And that's really all that he's worth. But but he, there is a, the one serious element to this is there is public money at stake. He is being paid a salary to, to operate on behalf of his constituents. And I think while he's not there, that should be withheld from him. Well, absolutely. He doesn't look serious about his career. I, I don't actually see how you can be a serious... MP and be on a programme like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Mm. Can I just put in a little aside about insects? You know me, 
Mike and insects. I'm always talking about how they are trying to get us to eat insects. Yes. And there's, there's kind of a classic here. You've probably seen insects all over the TV at the moment in um, Celebrity Bake Off. There's mm. a Channel 4 series with Aldi where they're talking about, you know, insects as a way to beat the cost of living crisis and buy cheap food. Ugh. You know, insects are everywhere being pushed as a, a credible food source. It's so funny. But the problem with a program like I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here is they've already established insects, Bush Tucker, trial mm. nobody wants to eat insects i think there are some people who are going to want to see matt hancock eat insects though i think there are i mean I, although i thought they'd done away with all of that stuff because it was cruel to the actual creatures that they're not supposed to be now eating them alive or having them you know crushed into some kind of enclosed space i don't quite know what the rules are it's not a show i've watched um, assiduously over the years but i get the feeling that the wokists have got a grip of it and have decided that you know nothing cruel should happen no, you could be right. But I think the timing of this is off, apart from the fact that I think he's making um, a bit of a misstep here in his career in this attempt at rehabilitation. The timing is off. People aren't quite ready to forgive yet. And people aren't ready to forgive because mistakes haven't yet been fully acknowledged. Um, which reminds me, there was an article in the Atlantic magazine this week uh, with the headline, Let's Declare a pandemic amnesty oh, yeah. and the author is calling for everybody to forgive mistakes that were made um and i think this author is probably talking about herself as well you know she's recognizing mistakes that she made in the pandemic about health advice and really she's inviting people to forgive her and to forgive each other i think it's too early now an amnesty is normally something that a government grants the people yes in this case, the amnesty would have to run in reverse because we'd be found to forgive the government for policies that they foisted upon us. And much as the enactors of policy and the people that pushed mandates, lockdowns, school closures, pointless masks on us want us to forgive them, it's not time. Now, I'm, I believe in forgiveness. I think it's important. But people have to be ready to down their weapons. We have to acknowledge all the mistakes that have been made and make sure they never happen again mm. before there's an amnesty and forgiveness. Yeah, because I think it's all very well. We have a popular culture now where people, some people think if you say sorry, no matter how heinous it was, whatever it was that you did, that's OK. Well, I don't think that is OK, because I think depending on what it is that you did, you know, the forgiveness will come depending on how sorry you are or what you're doing to show that you're sorry, as opposed to just saying it, you know? Absolutely. Now, we are quite, I think we're quite an intolerant society. People don't forgive easily. You know, somebody can make one mistake on Twitter and they lose their job mm. and they're publicly disgraced. And, and that's also not on. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't forgive people who made mistakes in the pandemic. But actually, first of all, we have to be honest about the mistakes that were made and put things right. It's not time to move on. So um, I, I think that what Matt Hancock's doing here is a lot of, it's a lot of razzle dazzle. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a huge distraction. Well, he may not last long, of course, either. He might get voted out quite quickly, but we shall see. Um, other big story today of, uh, of sort of pandemic-related, in a way, uh, tangentially, uh, is the words of the year which have come out. Um, HarperCollins have issued the top 10 words of the year. Number one's Carolean, but I know you're mm -hmm. particularly interested in the perma-crisis. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. They've made this their word of 2022. And I would say we should resist this at all costs. Mm. The word permacrisis, by definition, if you look at the etymology of it, isn't a word for a particular year. Perma comes from permanent, from the Latin permanentum. It means enduring, it means everlasting. Mm. So the way they've justified making this uh, their word of 2022, um, 
Croft, the MD of, of Collins, was talking about um, Brexit, the war in Ukraine, political instability, uh, the cost of living crisis. And he's he's kind of he's kind of done a, um, like a woke bingo of, of left wing politics here. Thing, things that reveal his own ideological and political biases and what makes 2022 an anna Can't really argue with a lot of it. But I think the word perma crisis isn't a word that most of us have ever used or heard of. So it feels a bit disingenuous to make it the word of 2022. And I think it's a term that should be resisted because like I say, it doesn't refer to a point in time. It's an enduring word. That's not a word we should take on for any particular year. It's a bit like when the term new normal was brought out three weeks into the pandemic. And at the time I thought that's really strange. It's like a term like Das Dritte Reich, the Mm. Third Reich. It's to let you know that what's gone before is over, it's gone. You know, there's no second Reich anymore if you're on the third yeah. Reich. If you're on the new normal, it means there's no no old normal. And I remember thinking, well, well, hang on, how do they know there's no old normal? We're only just in this. What do you mean the whole old way of life is gone? Right. Um, and so I don't think that we should also accept that um, a word to define a year has has the etymology of permanent. No, exactly because right. Because actually, we don't want to define ourselves as being in permanent political instability. Yes. I mean, in terms of the the use of words, I mean, that's kind of what they're signalling, isn't it? So they're saying that they've heard uh, Carolean being said more often because it was said quite a lot during the period of time where Prince... Uh, Charles became King Charles, and suddenly we were using a word that we'd never even heard of before, but I don't use it anymore. Kiev is another one uh, where lots of people decided it was a good idea to call Kiev Kiev. I wasn't one of them. I kept calling it Kiev. Partygate, another one that you don't hear very much of, but you see there's a sort of political nuance to all of this, like Warm Bank they've got as well, a heated building where people who cannot afford to heat their homes may go. May go? So it's not even a thing, and they're saying it's a word of the year. It's, it's a highly politicised list of words, okay? This is really obvious when you look at the words as you've you know, you just listed them. Somebody from um, a different ideological and political end of the spectrum would have come up with a, with a different set of words. But we have to be clear about this because the desire to influence propaganda and rhetoric is as old as democracy itself. You know, it goes back to, to Aristotle. People use words to try and influence debate. The people at Collins here, they're trying to influence all of us. What they're trying to do is foist their political beliefs and their ideological biases onto all of us. Mm. I'm afraid the fact is I've never heard anybody use the word permacrisis. Nobody used the word Kiev until it came mysteriously mysteriously from certain quarters of the media, actually lots of people resisted Kiev because we used to say Kiev. Um, And Carolean, well, again, this is a word that's been used sort of awkwardly a few times, but it's it's not really a much used word. The other thing is that um, Collins referred to the Carolean era as offering a ray of hope. Again, this has a sort of fear of artificiality about it, because actually most people think of the passing of the Queen as terribly sad, Mm. and they don't feel that enthusiastic about King Charles as monarch. So this whole production of words of 2022 felt artificial and what it says more about is a certain type of elite establishment Mm. political bias yeah very inside the beltway as we used to say in the us of a um there's a slight um, hiccup on the line so we're gonna leave it there laura thank you very much indeed we'll get you back in the studio uh, this time next week laura dodsworth journalist author matt hancock is going into the jungle that's the breaking news ladies and gentlemen absolutely incredible uh chili says this while the covid inquiry continues matt hancock does a runner to the other side of the planet how convenient is that this is a guy who forced us at every opportunity to stay locked up while he was enjoying life behind the cover of a pandemic ridiculous i think that pretty much sums it all up doesn't it this is talk tv 
Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The sky is now actually blue. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Positive thinking can get you into a lot of good places, I'm telling you that. Uh, and when we started this morning, I could barely see across the river. Now, I can see all the way to France, practically. Not quite as far as that, but of course, it's not as far as you think, is it? Uh, lots of you want to be in touch. Lots of you have been in touch. Uh, Michael says this. Is this government complicit in the invasion? Uh, why would they not deport anyone? Why would they use a company funded by taxpayers who donate to the Tory party and allow them to requisition hotels and private property and then feed them and give them money? It stinks. Uh, and who is the actual human that made that? Oh, we've done that one already uh, from Kieran. Um, we've been talking a great deal this morning about the migrant problem. We're going to talk now to Craig McKinley, MP. But before we do that, uh, you know how Just Stop Oil have, you know, they've come to the end of their half-term holidays and so they've all gone back to their respective schools, universities and whatever else they do. Uh, they haven't been spraying anything around this morning as far as I can tell. But let's have a look at a piece of video footage from France because it's been spreading over there as well. People sitting on roads. This is how they deal with it over there. Yep, that's how they open the lane of traffic in France. Um, I'm not suggesting that's what you should do here, but that's what it will come to, and that's what people will do, because people are fed up to the back teeth uh, of these bozos sitting down in the road, stopping everyone from going anywhere, in the same way as they're fed up to the back teeth of seeing thousands and thousands of people arriving on our shores completely and utterly illegally, without any right to be here, being put up in hotels and being given food and shelter and all the rest of it. Let's talk to Craig McKinley, Conservative Member of Parliament for South Thanet. Craig, very good morning to you. Morning, Graham. Uh, you Morning. made the point, uh, Craig, yesterday in Parliament that basically you must delineate between some of these immigrants and would-be asylum seekers, not least because you've pointed out um, that people coming from Albania are absolutely not the same as people coming from Afghanistan or people coming from Syria, genuine war-torn countries where, where they could genuinely be in danger. Albania is in NATO. Uh, they're seeking to apply to the European Union. They're in the Council of Europe. Germany and Sweden have stopped taking applications from Albanians for asylum. Why can't we? Well, that's the question I was asking the Home Secretary yesterday in her statement. And you've iterated exactly the points that I made in Parliament yesterday. Uh, how can Albanians have any claim? Uh, you know, they're one of the, the family of nations mm. of Europe, Albania. I know it's, you know, it, it's, it's not as nice a place as here and it's had its problems in the past, but it is not a war-torn nation. I had friends go there on holiday this year. Yeah. Uh, as you say, it's a NATO member, EU applicant member, member of the Council of Europe and all of those, those good things. And, you know, what is bizarre is that Germany and Sweden... Uh, they comply with the same background of immigration law founded on the 1951 Refugee Convention, uh, ECHR, and all the rest of it. And yet our interpretation is, ah, oh, we'll accept a claim. You may be refused, but we'll accept a claim. Uh, but they say very plainly, no, I'm sorry, we do not accept claims from Albania. And I think, you know, we need to break this problem down into a number of, uh, of issues. And I think the Albanian one, I'm hoping is one that we can solve. Yeah. Because big as I heard yesterday, we've got the overcrowding at the Manston Centre, all very well people moaning about it, but where are we meant to put a thousand people a day turning well, up? Uh, you can't just spirit out of thin air uh, a new accommodation around the country. It just doesn't work like that. Mm. No. So if you could, and, then, and I'll say the numbers of Albanians apparently at Manston were two thirds of the total of 4,000. 
the day before yesterday. So if we can if we can take the lid off the Albanian numbers, I think we can be in a better place and can perhaps start to manage the numbers coming in. But that's a you know a broader question. And as I say repeatedly, I've been saying it for a year. I'll I'll be saying it for two years and three. I expect is the French could stop this in a fortnight if they were to patrol their beaches properly and i think that is a service that they should do just as a normal you know international law abiding nation they have got duties under international law to make sure that their their borders aren't leaky they could stop this and it will stop deaths over the winter because as sure as night follows day uh, Mike, there are going to be tragedies in the channel again, just as we saw yeah. uh, last week. Well, November. it beggars belief, does it not, Craig, that members uh, of the uh, a party opposite yours uh, in opposition are actively encouraging people to continue to come this way? When, one, they're putting their own lives in danger, they're putting the lives in danger of the border force and, of, of course, the RNLI, um, who, in my view, shouldn't be rescuing them anyway. Um, but they're causing massive problems for these uh, detention centres because you quite rightly say... You you can't handle this many people coming. It's just not manageable, is it? Uh, no, it's not. I mean, I always defend RNLI. They've got a station in, in Ramsgate. You know, they do what it says on the tin. They save lives at sea and without fear or favour. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I wish that Labour would be honest with people and many of the charity groups and all of the rest of the plethora of people who are always very supportive of uh, migrants and refugees welcome here and all the rest of it. Why don't they be honest with us and say they want open borders for Britain? Then we can have a debate about that, but they cage their arguments in, 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 in strange ways. They want open borders. And I think people need to understand that. That is what Labour increasingly stands for, because I hear very little robust language about these numbers coming in and how we're meant to deal with them. They, they All they go on about is, oh, we need safe routes. Well, I don't know what, what that really means. Yeah. Safe routes means a lot more people in, in my language. Yeah, well, I had a Labour MP on here last week who, uh, when I asked him what their policy would be on immigration, he said, uh, what we'll do is we'll set up processing centres in France. Um, but that doesn't necessarily solve the problem because just because um, that if you know you're not going to get processed and, and get success, you're going to come illegally. And that's why they're coming. Well, of course. Uh, this route works. It obviously works. It's worked for 40,000 people attempting it this year. Mm. Uh, you pay your money, you get a trip, and then you'll be put in a hotel for a number of months. Mm. I mean, it's, um, it, it's quite a pull factor, isn't it? What I can't understand is the French position in that they are themselves becoming a pull factor of people going from other parts of Europe because of the failures of Frontex and Schengen Agreement and, and all the rest of it, which allows free movement across Europe. I would I'd really like to speak to the good burgers of the Padicale and say, what do you think about uh, your area becoming a magnet for people who wouldn't come here otherwise because the passage to Britain seems pretty easy? It's not to say, Mike, that we haven't generated problems for ourselves. We've got an unbelievable delays in the whole system of processing an asylum claim. We need to learn from other countries who seem to do this a lot quicker. It's not unusual for people to be, you know, waiting in limbo, £150 a night hotels for over a year mm. until their claims are looked at and managed. That's something we could do for ourselves. So we can't always blame it on everyone else. I think uh, as Suella, the a Home Secretary said yesterday that the system is broken. Yeah. I think she's talking sensible language, and it's sort of language that I use, in that if we 
uh, see things are going wrong, you're better off putting your hands up to yeah. it and admitting what everybody can see is patently true and do something about it. Well, everybody can also see what's going on from the other side of the chamber, that they're trying to get rid of Suella Brown. I mean, they don't want her to make these changes. They don't want her to be a success as Home Secretary and because it looks like she's one of the first to actually say what she thinks and she's one of the first to say that she will definitely do something about it. And I think the Tory party desperately needs a Home Secretary who can do that. Well, we do. I'm pretty was very robust on, on all Yeah, but it's nothing. But she didn't do anything, though. Exactly. She sounded she good. Did, she didn't have success. I yeah. mean, Pretty's main failure, in my view, was not allowing that plane to take off yeah. uh, to Rwanda. Mm. I think that was a turning point. Now, I'm hoping we can resurrect that. Not that I think the Rwanda scheme is ideal, but if it has the effect of deterring people, because they may end up in Rwanda rather than, than in a hotel in the UK, it might be enough to turn a few people off from attempting the route. There is no easy solution to this, Mike. And this is why I'm saying, let's get the Albanian bit solved first. Yeah. Um, Rishi's relationship with Macron seems to be a bit warmer than it used to be uh, under, under previous PMs. Let's hope that can bear fruit. But I really want the French to say, we can't manage this. Please give us some help. Uh, and we've offered that help to patrol the beaches, stop the launchings. And stopping the launchings will stop the, the uh, traffickers' profits and will stop deaths over the months ahead. Yeah. To me, yeah. that's really important. Yeah, and it's, think, it just makes common sense. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And common sense is what we deal with here at the Independent Republic. Now, uh, you might have seen a story this morning breaking, um, Craig, about Matt Hancock. He's now apparently been suspended with immediate effect from the uh, Conservative Party. So first, the whip was withdrawn. He's going to be in the jungle. Um, I was asking the question, how can he manage to do that while he's still being paid as an MP? Uh, he shouldn't be taking that money. Uh, what do you make of it? Well, yeah, I, I saw the news a few minutes before coming on. Uh, I, I think it's rather silly behaviour getting involved with, with these type of game show things mm. if you're a sitting MP. Uh, people have done it in the past. I suppose it didn't do Nadine Dorries any great harm in the long run. Uh, but I don't think it's something MPs should be indulging in. I've got a very full inbox of problems that I have to deal with for my uh, constituents. That's my primary focus in life. Uh, and not traipsing around a jungle in Australia. No, I think, well said. Craig, thank you very much indeed. Craig McKinley, Conservative Member of Parliament for South Thanet, talking a great deal of common sense. Keith says this, perhaps Mr Hancock will borrow Nadine Dorries' insect repellent after a visit to the jungle in 2012 and spray it on himself and disappear. It's not a popular move, this, is it? Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan coming up. He'll tell us what he makes of the news uh, that Matt Hancock is going to go into the jungle. Fast Talk, talk TV. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide. By your side. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham. It's been quite a show so far. We've got Matt Hancock uh, declaring his interest in uh, going out to the jungle for I'm a celebrity get me out of here. He then had the whip suspended by the Tory party. He's now been suspended from the party altogether. This is the former Secretary of State for Health, former cabinet member, uh, former friend, presumably of Rishi Sunak, uh, who's now tossed him out uh, like the piece of garbage that he is, I'm afraid. That's what happens, Matt, uh, when you lose the credibility of the people who voted for you. And I'm afraid if you think this is going to rehabilitate your career... 
you are sadly mistaken. Chris Bryant, meanwhile, another unpopular figure in the House of Commons, uh, has just been told that he actually broke Commons rules by taking a photograph in the division lobby and posting it on Twitter. Now, this is the man you might remember uh, was making all sorts of allegations uh, to the Speaker of the House, Lindsay Hoyle, that there was bullying going on uh, during the vote on fracking. You might remember people were being said to have been pushed through the lobby uh, by Jacob Rees-Mogg and others. Uh, Therese Coffey was named as well. Uh, the Tory party said to be in disarray, fights breaking out, people bursting into tears. Well, it turns out it was all rubbish. Lindsay Hall's done an investigation. Chris Bryant has now been found to be the only person who actually broke the rules by taking pictures. Now, he's the chair of the Parliamentary Committee on Standards, so presumably he'll have to resign, won't he? Surely he can't stay in his job uh, if he's going to be doing that sort of thing. Uh, meanwhile, coming up in this hour, Angela Levin's going to join us because we're going to talk about the Crown once more because they have now betrayed Prince William. They're going to be, against his wishes, broadcasting not only a very lengthy version uh, of his mother's interview with Panorama and uh, Martin Bashir, but they've actually invented some of the things uh, that they're going to carry as part of that interview uh, that she never said. This on top of the fact uh, that they are going to also recreate uh, the rather personal and intimate conversation between the then Prince Charles and Camilla when he was still married to Diana and when he said all sorts of unspeakable things about what he'd like to do to Camilla and how he'd like to be with her every single Sunday night and how he would like to be, um, I'm not quite sure if I can say this in uh, any nice way at this time of the day, uh, with her intimately in a way which quite often people thought was disgusting but anyway um never mind prince harry uh, over in uh, california will be reaping the rewards of netflix's profits from this ghastly show the crown and angela levin will have plenty to say about it let's talk now though to gavin mortimer uh, it's from the spectator who's over in france of course uh, the migrant story this morning all about language all about what suela braverman has been saying calling it an invasion which of course it is uh, being castigated for calling it that because that apparently is cruel and might turn people against the migrants well it's not so much that they're against the migrants but they are against this government's policy which is not working at all the dover migrant center uh, was firebombed just two days ago police are still exploring the motives of the man who did that he drove 120 miles uh, to throw three petrol bombs at what would be appear to be the gates of the migrant center in uh, dover he might have even wanted to attack the migrant center rather than the migrants nobody really knows he committed suicide uh, shortly thereafter at a nearby petrol station um, the manston migrant problem is still going on. This is the holding centre, the detention centre, somewhere else in Kent, uh, which is overcrowded massively. Let's find out from Gavin Mortimer whether the French will have any kind of stomach for trying to help Britain out. Gavin, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. So, um, we're hearing lots of talk uh, today about uh, reaching out to France. You know, some people think that the key to the answer to this problem is the French. I'm not so sure the French are that bothered about doing anything about these people who are leaving their country and coming to ours. What's being said there? Um, no, there, there won't be much good in reaching out to the, the French. Uh, there's an, a newspaper article by David Davis MP today, Mike, in one of the papers, and he said that we must cooperate with the Albanian governments to ensure the swift return of bogus asylum seekers. And mm. this is the key to this issue. It's no good just having a go at the French because, as I said when we spoke last week, they've had this problem for over 20 years. And yeah. I, I did some research before I spoke to you, Mike, and found a newspaper article from Le Parisien, which is a French tabloid, May the 28th, 2000. And the headline was um, Albanian Mafia uh, Infiltrate Europe. And it was about how gun running, prostitution, drug networks um, and illegal immigration. And they said, particularly to the United Kingdom, mm. 
um, was being, and it was perfectly organised. And they based this report, this newspaper, on an Interpol um, uh, report. So this has been a problem for 22 years. And I, when I when I hear Roger Gell speak to Jeremy Carl as he did last week, he said, "Oh, we must have conversations and dialogue." Mm. You think, well, you've been in power for twelve years yeah, exactly. and you've done nothing so far. So when are you going to do something about it? And it's just not enough to to speak to the French. The Albanians have to be confronted um, about this problem with the EU's um, assistance, and that's the only way we're going to manage this. And don't forget, Mike, this is this is a two two-pronged problem because you've got the Albanian um, invasion, as uh, Ms. Bradman correctly described it. You've also got the continuing migration across the Mediterranean into Italy. And that is the problem, isn't it? That this has been a sort of Mediterranean-wide problem. I mean, one thing that Roger Gale gets right is that, yes, there is a problem across the whole of Europe, uh, but the reason why people come here is because they know they will get a better deal in this country than they will get in Italy, than they will get in France, than they will get in Spain, and than they will get in Germany or Sweden. That's why they're coming here. So surely, apart from, you know, yes, talking to other countries, we have to stop the incentive for them to come, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you made me laugh at the top of a show when you said the government policy. I would say, what government policy? <laughs> it's just absolute chaos. Yeah. And the, the, the French, um, there was a French politician on um, uh, Radio 4 earlier this week, and she said, she, she said, you know, the reason you have this problem is because, as you just said, Mike, it's so attractive to um, asylum right. seekers, but mainly economic migrants. Mm. Um, and, and, and until Britain, this is what's so infuriating, Mike, about... No, it's it's now Braverman has become a story in and it's diverting attention from the real story, which is the continuing crisis. Mm. And it's classic blob tactics. This is it's it's uh, it's to deflect attention from the um, from the real problem by making up some out fake outrage. It only outrages a few civil servants. The, the, the country at large is fully behind Braverman's attempts to, to restore order. So what's just absolute chaos at the moment? Well, that's right. I mean, and the fact is, is that when she uses words like invasion and when she says um, that the system is broken, she's absolutely right. And that's exactly how people in the country talk. And the idea that Tory MPs are somehow outraged by this supposed bad use of language tells you how far the Tories have moved away from their core values, doesn't it? It does. And, and don't forget, we had this about a year ago with the dreadful murder of um, Tory MP David Emmis. And... Um, by uh, uh, Islamic extremists. And if you remember, no one, I think practically no one in Parliament could bring themselves to say the I-word. Yeah. They blamed it on toxic social media. And we just have a Parliament without a spine. And the people know this. And this is why the people are so angry. Yeah. Because we have, across the political spectrum, very weak and cowardly men and women. No, you're absolutely right, because I remember that debate that was had in the immediate aftermath of that terrible incident where people were being told to be nice to each other on Twitter and not mm. to be insulting each other in the House of Commons. And you go, well, that's not the reason he's dead. The reason he's dead is because some maniac decided to pick up some rather extreme ideology uh, in the name of a god that he believed in uh, and thought he was going to go to heaven by killing someone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's that but simple, right? It is, it is that simple, yeah. There's a very good... Uh, Morrissey just released a very good song bonfire of the teenagers and one of one of the songs is about the manchester bombing at the arena in mm. 2017 and the, the chorus is go easy on the killer go yeah. easy on the killer and it's, it's morality a cynical best but he's absolutely true we just bury our heads in the sand and we're more concerned about the use of a nice use, use of language 
policing language instead of getting to these very serious issues that are upsetting a great many people in the United Kingdom. Mm. Well, that's right. And the fact that, in fact, it's a bit more dangerous to have 40,000 people arriving on our shores who are uncharted, uh, who are unrecognised and who nobody knows uh, their identity. Uh, that's far more dangerous than any words that are spoken in Parliament, I would have thought, but not for the left. The left say the words are more dangerous than the people. Yeah, no, no, well, well, they're wrong. And in the last couple of years, Mike, there's been, um, I mean, going back to the Albanians, it, in, for one of the reasons the French you know, were quite happy to see them all go across the channel is that they've spent most of the last two years dismantling cocaine and heroin networks in France from Rennes in Brittany to Toulouse to Marseille to Paris, all run by very organised uh, Albanian mafia gangs. And these are the people coming across. We said the statistic last week. 12,000 Albanians have come across this year, 10,000 are single men. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out what they're coming here for, given that they could come actually legally. They could buy a ticket on Wizz Air for 40 quid. It's that cheap. They don't need to pay five grand to come on a dinghy. You know, they could just chop up at Luton Airport. You know, I mean, I understand you might not want to go through Luton. It might be, it might be more pleasant to come through uh, uh, Dover on a boat. But do you know what I mean? You know, there's an awful lot of nonsense being spoken here. Um, and simply, simply put, the numbers are too big to control. Yeah, they are. And what, what, another important point to make, Mike, is that there are, are genuine refugees. We think of Ukrainians and, and people from you know, Syrians and Afghanistans, Afghanistans who helped British forces um, uh, during the war, who, who deserve our support mm. and, and our protection. But every, because of what's happening, you know, everything's just getting lumped together. And that is not good for the genuine asylum seekers coming from very traumatised situations often. Yeah. Now, let's talk a bit about a piece you wrote for uh, The Spectator, Gavin, about how the Tories have kind of lost their way slightly. And a former advisor to Theresa May, um, when she was uh, Prime Minister, has said the Tories have to hit a sweet spot. And you draw a bit of a, a comparison to what the French uh, did under Le Pen. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, Marine Le Pen, who in uh, in the parliamentary election this year in in um France got 89 seats. So AC's got 89 MPs. She's the single, second single largest mm. party behind uh, Macron's Renaissance Party. And that's 81 more seats than she got in the 2017 election. How has she done that? Well, really, she's, she's, what she, her strategy is social conservatism and being economically on the left. Mm. So she's a bit of a protectionist, um, but she's focusing on improving the health system, which like Britain's is, is not in a good state, um, public services, redistribution. In other words, I suppose you'd say the French equivalent of the Red Wall book posters who have been betrayed by Boris Johnson since 2019. And this report that you just mentioned um, by this um, uh, centre-right think tank in the UK, uh, Onward, I think it is, said that 61% of the UK electorate describe themselves as socially conservative, so anti-woke, mm. um, and leaning to the left economically. So we're not saying leaning as far as Jeremy Corbyn, but just leaning slightly to the left. Mm. And that was a sweet spot that Marine Le Pen found. And if you take someone like Eric Zimmer, who was far right, and he was he was more, I suppose, he's an economic liberal. So he's, he's actually more of a social conservative. His, his rhetoric on Islam and immigration, he wants to stop his immigration completely to France. But he um he didn't his party didn't win one seat mm. in, in parliamentary elections. So he didn't get the sweet spot, but Marine Le Pen did. And as I say in the article, this is what the Conservatives I mean the Conservatives 
yeah, they've betrayed the Red Wall voters. If you remember the 2019 election, Boris Johnson thanked them for lending mm. him their vote. That's the word he used. You've loaned me your vote. I won't let you down. Well, he did let them down. And if the Conservatives don't want to be wiped out in 2024, they've got to reach out once more to these um, to the Red Wall voters. Yeah, they really do. Gavin, good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Gavin Morton, a spectator uh, in Paris there, uh, talking to us about what the French would like to see done uh, about immigration controls and about what they're li- unlikely to do to help us in Britain to stop the flow of migrants coming here. Uh, as many as 2,000 every single weekend now, as many as 40,000 throughout the course of the year, possibly as many as 70,000 by the end of the year uh, if the weather holds up. Uh, we've got much more to do. We're going to talk to Angela Levin coming up about The Crown, about Netflix, about Princes Harry and William. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.